I'm Kimberly C. Paul. Today we talk with Jennifer Jane. She's a writer, a designer, a stand-up comedian, but in the documentary film Charged, her role was a caregiver to her best friend, Eduardo Garcia. How do we become the architect of our own destiny? Throughout two decades of working with the dying, I think I've discovered the secrets to dying well in America. We must learn to build the pathways to our last chapter, to create the blueprints that reflects our individual lives and values. Knowledge is power, and if we desire a death that reflects our life, we must become the designer. So, you know, we talked to Ed Gordo and Philip about Charge, the film, but I felt like, you know, if there was any good thing out there, there has to be a woman involved. And and there was, and there was you throughout this whole entire film. But what was extraordinary is that the caregiving aspect that you had and the relationship you had with this man, Eduardo Garcia. Um, so how did, let's, let's just talk about how you guys met first. Um, because, you know, I've asked, I asked Eduardo, but you know, it's always good to get a female's perspective on the actual truth of how, how things happened. Um, so how did you guys meet? So it was a long time ago now, it was 2006 and I just finished my degree. And like most people, you know, I had horrific debts and I decided to go and work in the yachting industry because I learned that you got great tips, great salary, and it was just a good way to travel a little bit and just settle in and decide what to do with my life, I guess. So I joined a yacht called Blind Date. And about six months after I joined, Eduardo joined as a chef. And what was great about it was I had been there six months and I actually went home for like my, my vacation. And the captain, he sent me an email and it said something like, Jen, we've got a new chef that's joining the yacht. And he was just like, P.S., I think you're going to really like him. And so that was from the captain who wasn't like the most friendly guy. So I just thought it was kind of a, you know, an odd thing for him to send me. <laughs> and um, and you were in your 20s, right? Yeah, I'm in my 20s. And, uh, you know, my mom and I like laughed at this email. And I think I was you know excited to meet this guy. And then when I did meet him, which was... Um, at the crew house, he just um, he was there on the sofa, and I walked in. I didn't really think much of him, if I'm honest. Like, <laughs> like I think I messaged my mum, and you know, it was like, yeah, not that exciting, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, and I guess, um, I guess from that moment, I wouldn't have predicted, um, you know, what this whole thing turned into. And that's basically mm. how we met. He made me some eggs that morning. You know, he was cooking breakfast for the whole crew. And then we just started hanging out because most of the crew just wanted to drink. They just wanted to go to the bars and drink. And, you know, we're traveling constantly on this yacht. And, you know, we wanted to take advantage of the fact that we were able to visit all of these incredible places for free and get out and go surf and run and explore and eat in cool restaurants and just really take advantage of that. And so Ed and I became each other's sidekick, I think. And then pretty quickly we began dating and, and then that was that really. And that was, uh, the Jen and Ed beginnings. <laughs> uh, now this is, this is a crazy, crazy thing is that you guys didn't end up together. Um, you broke up. We did. Yeah. We, we broke up, which, um, you know, I guess I would explain it as being an impressive amount of cheating. You know, you definitely wondered how he fit it into his schedule type of thing. Um, and that's why we broke up. But, um, you know, we remained friends. So. so you were in England when you got this phone call 
that Ed had been injured. And so walk us through that. Yeah, so it was a very odd, um, an odd situation. Um, so Ed and I, we'd actually broken up about a week before. So we had these businesses together. So we knew that we, you know, would see each other again. And we still had this relationship of business, etc. But I had left him because of the other women. And I flew back to England. And I, you know, as I said, I'd been there a week or so. And I was actually staying at my parents' house. And I had a phone call from, um, sorry, that's a lie. I had a text message from his sister while I was dancing like a crazy person um, in my parents' kitchen. And it just said, call me ASAP. And we had just done one of our biggest like packaging orders, which um, I'm responsible for the graphics, et cetera. And I instantly thought, oh, you know, I've done something wrong on the Montana Mex packaging order. And I rang her and obviously she told me what had happened. And I wished I'd screwed up the packaging order. You know, it was one of those moments where it's like, man, I, I, you know, it was just horrific. I didn't really know what to do other than just to get to America as fast as I could. Now, he was injured in Montana, but he ended up in Salt Lake City, correct? Mm -hmm. That is correct. Yeah. So what in the hell was going through your mind from London to Salt Lake City? I... So I had the call um, and we literally went into military mode. You know, my mum and dad were there and we were planning, right, okay, we need to get this flight, get you there, get packed, et cetera, et cetera. So um, he throws about two hours away from my parents' house. So I got there and I called Ed, or I called his phone and obviously, uh, you know, it was the surgeon that picked it up. And I, I connected with the surgeon and he just said, you know, say what you need to say. Um, very clear that this was severe and Ed was about to go in for his, you know, first operation. So I, I was in the middle of Heathrow Airport just crying, like, you know, tears streaming down my face, but holding my voice together for Ed. And, um, you know, I'm very into science. And I think I just said, you know, trust the science, trust the people, and I'll be there when you wake up. And then I got on my plane and I, you know, had no contact with the ground whatsoever. So I, I didn't know what was what was going on for eight hours which was very crazy. I have something very personal to ask you. Can you be my best friend? Because if this guy like cheated on you and you can still find love to get on a plane mm -hmm. to show emotion and worry, you, you absolutely loved him. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I still do. You know, we still have a very close relationship. I think the, I think the main thing for me that I've learned in life is just, you need to separate out things. You know what I mean? Like Ed, he, yes, he was an absolute horrible guy to me on the relationship front. And I did really struggle with that. But I think it also made me wake up to the fact of how lucky I have been in the sense of I had very dedicated parents my whole life. You know, I have a great relationship with my brother. I've always been taught to think about how my actions affect other people and all of these types of things, whereas Ed never really had that. You know, I think he had it in essence, but he never, his brain, I think, never really onboarded that information. And it wasn't um, until he did all this stuff to me that I think he actually began to have regret and understand how his actions hurt people. That there were consequences to, to choices. Exactly. And so I think, you know, I think people often separate good and evil. And I, you know, I just don't think that really exists. Obviously, people see things in different ways. And I genuinely feel that he didn't, I don't think he'd ever really been loved in that way before. You know what I mean? I don't think he actually realized how much it would hurt me. 
Mm. And I think that when we then confronted that together, actually it made him a better guy too, because I think most people um, lash out and then walk away, but actually he had to confront me because I wasn't just walking away. It was like, okay, tell me, like, I'm interested. Tell me what you did. And him having to kind of talk about it and how devious he had been definitely opened him up a little bit in a good way, I think. Well, did you think getting on that plane to Salt Lake City, did you did you ever question that you would see him again? I I mean, I guess I thought I would see him, but whether he'd be dead or alive, I didn't know that. You know, it's the truth. Like, we it just didn't know. Um, what was that like? I mean, how can you sit there for eight hours without just screaming? Yeah, it was it was awful. Um, I remember I was sat next to this lady and, you know, she probably just thought I was really rude. I just remember being very quiet the whole flight and just drinking water. I wasn't hungry. Um, and I didn't watch any movies or anything. I just kind of was just very quiet and I just was just thinking really. Um, and that's when I came up for the idea to film. So I think actually having that just time just to focus on everything was actually in a, in a way maybe good, although you're right, it was absolute brain torture. So you started thinking that of, of a film right there on the plane. Mm-hmm. Right there. Yeah. I, I don't know why really. I just had, um, you know, time alone to sit and think. And we'd been filming for this show, Active Ingredient. So we had the camera and we were used to filming. And I, I had the idea and I thought I'd call the movie Charged by a Bear um, because he was obviously, you know, everybody here in Montana is petrified of getting charged by a bear in the forest. And the fact that he got <laughs> charged by electricity through a bear in the forest was just ridiculous. And um, when I landed in Chicago is where I landed first before my layover to Salt Lake. And I rang my best friend Bex and, and told her, I was like, look, I think I'm going to film. Do you think that's OK? Or do you think, you know, do you think that's callous? And she was just like, Jen, I think you should 100 percent film. And so really, she was a huge impetus in me actually going ahead and, and filming. So talk to me. Are you a filmmaker by trade? I'm not a filmmaker by trade. I think I'm a creative by trade. And I just like to dabble in everything. And um, when I had this idea for Eduardo's show, I, you know, I didn't have a film degree or anything. And I looked up how much it would be to do a degree in film. Bearing in mind, I've already got a degree. Um, and I just realized how expensive it was. So I looked up all the books that they will study from on these courses. And I bought the books and read the books and bought the equipment and did it good enough, I think is the phrase to, um, to then get the professionals involved. So that was the, the plan was that I, I basically created the deck, the plan, the I videoed enough content, etc. And then we went to professional editors, etc. to help us then put together a proper reel, um, so that we could pitch our show. And that, and you know, the food network picked it up. Mm -hmm. You guys were getting ready to sign the deals. And this is the whole thing is, is that you, again, you and Ed had multiple businesses, were having some success with getting this, you know, food show um, picked up. You had Montana Mex. Um, and then this horrible accident happened. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. We, um, I, yeah, I think that's, you know, another reason why it was so crazy was we were really flying high. We'd kind of handled the cheating stuff. We were getting through it as friends. We were in a really solid place. We, you know, we're doing all these things that were very exciting. And then we, we basically lost it all, um, you know, within a, a second. But the point was, I think, is that we actually didn't lose it all, all, you know, like 
And I think we really tried to focus on that was, okay, we have lost your hand. We have lost these things. Like these things will never be okay again. However, we do have many other things and we really focused on trying to get back to a good place. And I think years later, we finally got there. <laughs> oh, wow. And you were you surprised, you know, watching the film several times? I, I was so voting for you guys. Mm-hmm. The love is such a mutual, you can see it, you can feel it. And, and that's a really hard thing to do to show real love in a documentary film because it seems so foreign and, and you can't unrelatable, but this, I mean, it was so natural for you guys and you, I really felt like I knew you and knew the relationship in a very intimate way. Um, which was, which was weird because I don't know you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I can't disagree with you. I 100% agree with what you're saying is, uh, you know, there, there is an absolute love between Eduardo and I, but I think it isn't the love that everybody stereotypically wants it to be. Like for some reason, everybody wants it to be a get married, have kids happily ever after. Whereas I think we all know in real life that rarely happens. And secondly, you know, if Eduardo and I had a kid together, I think we would probably hate each other. You know, (laughs) the truth is that, you know, we get on so well and we care about each other so much. But when it comes down to it with the absolute crux of it, it is just, you know, it was it was tough being cheated on that much and then being able to relax afterwards. You know, he's obviously a very good looking guy and out there meeting lots of people. It was it was a stress that kind of ruined the relationship, I think. Mm. And then equally on top of that, you know, I'm delighted that, you know, his um, fiance, Becca Skinner, she loves like fishing and she loves all the hunting stuff. She loves all these things that he loves. Whereas for me, we'd go out and I'd be interested, you know, for about 30 minutes and then I'd get, <laughs> you know. be watching or what did you, what did you say on a telephone call with me recently? You'd be wa- reading business magazines yeah, while I'd, he's fishing. <laughs> yeah, literally that, like we've been elk hunting so many times and like hiding in a bush and I'll literally have all of my Montana mech stuff out working in a bush. And then at some point he'd be like, shh. And then I put my pens down really gently and then we turn and then we, you know, follow these elk or whatever. So I think, um, you know, I I think that's one of the things that I actually really love about life is you don't have to, you know, if you break up with someone, it doesn't mean you hate them. And for some reason, that does seem to be society's way. It's like just because you don't want to spend the rest of your life with someone, you have to pretend you hate them. You know, that is definitely doesn't make much sense to me. Um, And I'm actually really good friends with all of my (laughs) (laughs) ex-boyfriends. So we, so we have, we have that in in common too. I mean, that's, that's the thing is when you, when you share something so intimately with someone, how can you walk away that even if it was a moment or, you know, a few years, it's like, even though there's reasons because you broke up, it just doesn't mean that you have to end a relationship. It might take some time to get through that and on, and be on equal ground. But, um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that's the biggest lesson that I learned from charged is that by you forgiving him, Mm -hmm. you both gained. Oh, absolutely. And I think, um, I think for me, what's just great is, is just also being able to let go, you know, at some point too is letting go. And, um, I know that he is really 
now and, and so am I. And it's funny because when I look back and think of, you know, when we were kind of in that process of being separated but trying to move on and I'm like describing to him like you need to date someone who's more spiritual than me. Like you're a bit spiritual. I'm not spiritual at all. You know, you need to date someone who's more into hunting and more into fishing and more into like all these things. And, you know, now he's with somebody like that. So I'm really delighted that, you know, things um, things work out, you know, and I think we just weren't right as a couple. And that's, uh, yeah, that's the be all and end all of it, I guess. Well, you know, um, we're friends on Facebook and I love what you describe your job as and it's managing Edward Garcia <laughs> and I about died. I was like, oh, that is such a great, great occupation. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, I was talking to Ed um, about his experience, and then I ended up talking to Philip, your um, director of photography, who shot this so beautifully, Mm -hmm. um, the film Charged. And when I asked Ed that I really wanted to reach out and talk to you, too, he was he was so happy because he said mm-hmm. that throughout a lot of his exposure with the film, he got, he gets some attention, but the caregivers, whether it was his mother, you specifically, um, his brother and everybody around, they kind of never had a lot of questions for them. And see, that's where I'm interested in because mm-hmm. I want to know what was it like to sit by that bed because you didn't leave his side. Mm-mm. No, I, I, what, I mean, did you, did you steal a moment to go and cry? Did you, were you this strong person all along? Um, how, what was it like being his caregiver living with him in ICU? I mean, I definitely cried. I mean, we all cried, obviously. I think, you know, it's just inevitable. You're dealing with huge change and huge loss and trying to work out where you're headed. Um, I think in the film, you don't really see that because the truth is that, you know, I put the camera down when I was hugging Ed and crying with Ed, you know, and, you in the film you just don't see those moments of absolute just oh man you know how are we gonna deal with this um but I think being a caregiver I think I think again it's just really one of those things of just having good communication and just stating what you need you know for me I'm English so tea and cake was definitely high on the list um we uh we danced a lot you know it's funny as soon as Eduardo was able to move like you know he danced a little bit and I would you know dance like crazy and when he was in operations I would dance by myself um in you know a private area of the hospital where I could find like a quiet little space just to just to let loose a little bit and just have that moment of just absolute just you know chill and just try to you know, relax, I guess, when you are surrounded by continuous stimuli. Because that, that's what's crazy too is you just don't get much much sleep you know it's just continuous checking and beeping and lights and you know all these different people you're meeting and at the same time we were trying to you know not lose our house and you know all the usual day-to-day stuff so really you are overloaded with stimuli it's almost like your body knows that and I think I was just full of adrenaline for probably like a year you know just getting through it so I think biology definitely has something to do with it but um, I, w- I would just say if you're caring for someone, definitely take those moments to just really do a few of the things that you need to do, whether that's, you know, working out or dancing or whatever, but try to do the healthy things. Because I definitely, you know, I met a lot of people that, um, you know, they went for the things they wanted, which were probably the worst things you can do, like drink more, smoke more, et cetera. And 
I'm, I'm glad that I was able to stay away from those types of things and really try and do positive things for myself so that we were all moving in a positive direction together, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. So how long were you in ICU or in the hospital? We're in the ICU 48 days and then just a few extra days um, just in the normal part of the hospital. But um, and then we we had to live within five minutes of the hospital for months. And so luckily uh, we had some friends who who let us live with them um, for months in Salt Lake. And that's that's insane. (laughs) It was pretty insane. Um, And then, I mean, again, you have this in the back of your head, you know, you guys live in Montana, you have all these businesses and collective efforts. And that was just put on pause almost because Eduardo was severely injured. He, he lost a hand. I mean, and this was, I, I, I mean, it was just an amazing film to watch and to see how even he has this incredible smile in this film and throughout it that you captured on film. Um, Mm -hmm. but it, you saw the struggle and the transition a little bit at a time of who he was becoming. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love that because it was so quiet that you really didn't see it until he recognized it himself at the end Mm -hmm. of the film, which which I thought was sort of cool because you never want to say, well, oh, that he really became a better person. No, he told you he became a better person. But throughout all of this, throughout this whole accident, there was also a cancer scare. Mm-hmm. Which uh, is, yeah. I mean, is that like the cherry on top? Did you guys were just like, hey, go ahead and hit us with something else? Because how can it, it can't get any worse. Oh, I agreed. It was, um, it was pretty... It, it was very strange that moment, actually. That was a day we had a, a bunch of friends at the hospital that day. Um, and I had actually left with them to go down and eat downstairs. So we were down in the hospital canteen. And then um, Ed asked I come back to the room. And that's when he told me that, you know, while we'd been having lunch, basically, he, he'd been told that he had. Um, at that point, it was just some form of testicular cancer. And then we later learned that it was second stage. So, um the thing I love about the internet is the first thing I did was obviously look on online and look at percentage rates and the type of cancers and all that type of stuff. And, um, he was extremely fortunate to have a very curable form of cancer. Um, and so although it was horrific, it was also for us, um, gratefully a, a process really, it was very much like, right, we need to now do this process get this dealt with. Um, I was actually a caregiver for one of my best friends who had terminal cancer when I was at university. And that was obviously a very different situation. Um, And so I think that obviously had taught me a lot about caring for somebody with cancer. And so with Eduardo, um, honestly, it it was more optimism than anything else, because just simply because of the statistics and the medicine um, and, and fortunately, it, it was correct, and, and he was cured, um, you know, three months afterwards. So, do you think the accident, um, being electrocuted, I mean, was was that sort of? And I hate to even call it a gift because you lose a limb, you have to learn mm-hmm. the struggles of, you know, he's a chef. Um, but do you think you would have found the cancer that early 
or even that second stage if this was if you weren't in the middle of a hospital? So what is crazy about that is um, he'd actually been experiencing some discomfort and he wanted to speak to a doctor about it. And he had an appointment booked for the Monday and he was electrocuted on the Sunday. So I guess hopefully they would have found it. Um, yeah. but, you know, oh, wow. Um, but, you know, but that is one of, you know, the things that Eduardo is trying to really push and work with um, testicular cancer groups to really encourage men to speak up because he definitely thought he had a problem for, you know, probably a good year or so before what? he finally was like, OK, I'm going to actually do something, you know, like a little bit of a pain uh, here and there, like, oh, it would go and then it would come back, you know. And, you know, from our understanding now, it does sound like a lot of people do that. And it was mm. part of his mission is just, you know, just go get it checked out. Just, just Yeah, it's like you're young. Right. You know, you don't realize that something so, you know, you're getting older. You, I mean, when you hit 40, even you got these little kinks. And now, I mean, you just think it's you're growing older, but it, it could be very serious. No, what, now you're a stand-up comedian. Um, you find humor in a lot of things. And what I thought was the, the, the best humorous situation is when you, uh, the, the girl that he cheated on got to sign away mm -hmm. on the operation to take, to take, to cure him from cancer, but to take, mm -hmm. uh, you right. know, some of his private parts away. Right. <laughs> <laughs> It was one of those, uh, you know, strange scenarios um, is the truth. You know, both his sister Indra and I were both listed as his two signers. And, you know, she has a at the time had a young family. And so, you know, it would be back and forth to Montana. So it just circumstance was I was the only one at the hospital at that time. The surgeon comes out and says while he's under. Yeah this needs to be signed away. And, uh, you know, of course I rang Indra and we both talked with the surgeon, but ultimately my, my signature is on that line. And uh, <laughs> yeah, Ed and I still joke about that. So that's kind of, <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. Now, are you surprised that this film is getting, uh, attention because you guys, you have won many awards at many festivals. Um, it is filmed beautifully, um, by Phil, um, Baraboo. And so, I mean, this is, are you surprised you're getting a lot of calls and attention with this film? And even with the Montana Mex, I even read some things about charge right on the boxes that you're sending yeah. out. <laughs> so I thought that was really cool how you guys are intermingling kind of some of your creative uh, projects together. Yeah. Um, I mean, hundred percent intermingling everything. It's very fun uh, that way. But uh, in terms of the film, I, I am definitely, I think surprise, I think is as everybody is whenever anything goes better than you expected it to, you know, like when this idea first emerged, you know, for me and why I started filming, what was it a story about Eduardo? You know, that was the kind of end of my creativity on that front. Like that was my vision. And then when Phil and Dennis and Tony, et cetera, came on board, they saw this love story. And suddenly it went from just a survival movie into this kind of love story slash survival movie, which, you know, it changed the whole, just the whole feel. And I, and I know actually from just speaking now with hundreds and hundreds of people that have seen the movie, how people relate to that story on so many different levels. And I think, um, you know, I think in a way that that is actually what makes it so much more relatable, um, and different to most survival movies. But, uh, I mean, the team we have are amazing and, you know, really 
is a such a team effort you know although eduardo and i are on screen like the the amount of effort it took for the whole team to make it as successful as it is and even you know the music i never even realized how oh, much yeah. you know, impact music had until i you know there's no movie i'd ever seen without music you know we see the finished product and so obviously i saw a couple of edits of charge and it you know it was good it was good and then suddenly they go to new york and they do this music and it's amazing and it is it just brings it all together and so I think I am surprised but I also in hindsight now think you know what I knew we had an amazing team and and they pulled it off so good job on them and it all started with your idea that's what's so (laughs) do you know how many people have creative ideas and never take that leap Mm -hmm. and that's what I see in you I mean when you have an idea you you push it through for sure. <laughs> I mean, and that's what I love. There, a lot of people say they want to do stuff, but you mm-hmm. actually, you follow through and that's very impressive for sure. Um, now, the good news is that you are married now, not uh, to Eduardo, yeah. but to Eduardo, no. a, a beautiful another man. A beautiful other man, yes. <laughs> and, and he's engaged, Eduardo's engaged. Um, <laughs> so what is it like? to talk about you and Eduardo's relationship and love. I mean, what is that like for your partners? What is that like mm-hmm. to really, because people pulled for you guys, they wanted to see you guys together right. in the end, because that's the fairy tale and it's not reality, but you guys are sort of soulmates. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, Eduardo and I still are together in many senses. You know, if you look at, you know, we, we joke that, you know, we hope we go to each other's funerals in, you know, like 80 years time or whatever. Um, but, um, it's definitely, you know, it's definitely for me, like a really wonderful thing. And I'm really glad that we managed to pull it off. And I think the main thing is communication. So like with my husband, for example, you know, when we started dating years ago now, um, you know, I told him that I love Eduardo. You know what I mean? I think if I'd have lied and said, oh, no, I hate him and, you know, whatever, he would have seen right through that. And I think just to be honest and be like, look, I really, really care for this person. And, you know, it doesn't mean I'm going anywhere. Like nothing is happening with him, but he is important to me. And, you know, if he needs help at 3 a.m., we're both getting up and we're going to go help him, (laughs) you know, like that type of um, thing. And I think... um, you know, it's it's just that real. I think it's just being honest and just sharing. And it's a mutual thing. Yeah, it's a mutual thing. Exactly. Um, you know, and I didn't just, you know, um, you know, obviously, I think anybody listening to this knows it's not easy. It's not an easy transition to go from being in a, you know, a deep relationship with someone to having all these businesses and wanting to keep them to still being business partners, but then being separated, you know, obviously, I, you know, I moved out of my home, you know, he kept our cat, you know, all these things. And, but it was also actually not that bad, you know, and I think it is because it wasn't a cut off. You know what I mean? It's like that happens. And then oh, I'll see you at nine o'clock the next morning, we'll crack on with, you know, the next project type of thing. You know, so is that in the film, is that the moment you got, you were actually moving out of the house? Yeah, Yeah, that was, that was absolutely, it was funny because Eduardo actually didn't want that filmed and Phil, the director, you know, really wanted it filmed and um, he kind of convinced Ed that it would be a good idea. And uh, that is, it was painful to watch. Yeah, that was the exact, um, that was it. That was the moment. And my mum was actually also there, but you don't see her in that scene, um, as was our good friend Jess and my mum and Jess were just 
bawling tears <laughs> the whole time um and um you know and ed and i held it together and you know but as i said i think that that's the weird thing is you know ed and i we, we see each other all the time still so it really hasn't changed that much other than there's you know it's not he's not my life person if that makes mm. sense but he is yeah i love that friend. Mm-hmm. I love that. So look, let's let's talk a little bit about Montana Max because you get, this is one of your businesses, and I I thank you for the package that you sent me. I have Very used welcome. pretty much everything <laughs> that you have sent me, and I'm telling you, there's a little bit of kick to some of uh, those <laughs> sauces, which I love. I love. Um, it, it's amazing. So tell me, where did this Montana Max come from, and tell me what you're doing? And I I think I recall, did you do all the graphics? For Montana so, Max? So it's actually my brother and I, um, and also a friend of ours, Jesse, helped a bit. So it's kind of like a little bit of a, a team effort. But yes, it's definitely my uh, my vision, I guess, for it to be, you know, bright and bold and very different from all of the other Mexican-inspired brands out there. Um, but that came from a long time ago now. Um, Eugene is um, Eduardo's twin brother, and Eugene and Eduardo have been kind of talking about starting some kind of food brand and they'd like been talking about it for a year and exactly what you said about me I was like guys either just don't talk about it or or do it like I just I can't handle it (laughs) (laughs) I um I cornered them in the Bozeman library and and basically said like why are they doing this or or you need to shut up and um and so we decided to start it and it you know had extremely humble beginnings and you know we rented this little kitchen I think for like four hundred dollars a month in Livingston Montana and we started kicking out these first products and it was kind of fundamentally flawed I think the first round of products we were being too ambitious um too quickly you know we, we had no funding and everything was fresh and it had a short shelf life and distribution out of Montana is impossible and hundred reasons I could tell you. But, um, you know, then we switched up the model and that's when it started to change. Um, and we decided to do, you know, healthy condiments. We just thought it was so crazy that people spend so much time and money on organic steak and organic potatoes and all these things. And then they'll cover their food in just, super sugary, you know, high fructose corn syrup, non-organic, just chemical laden condiments. (laughs) Like this makes no sense. Um, And so that was basically, you know, the the new plan really was to create food that that we really wanted to eat, um, that we were also able to, to get out there and into stores. And now, you know, years down the line, we have a a great team and our, you know, our lineup of seven products of the seasonings, the sauces and avocado oil. And, um, it's in whole foods and H E B and you can grab it online and we're, you know, struggling like every business and, and growing like every business, <laughs> you know, we're just, we're very much, um, working hard every day on it and, um, really trying to get it out there for people to try. So I appreciate well, I, it's a great product. I mean, several different products, but they're all good. And I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm now a fan. I, I think your jalapeno spices were on sale and I ended up buying three and oh, I yeah. got them <laughs> like three days before you sent me this big package. And I'm, mm-hmm. and so I, even at the Super Bowl, I'm like, Hey, here's some jalapeno mix. Mm-hmm. These are some of my, uh, my friends from Montana and even like four out of the people out there were like, are you moving to Montana? Are they really that much cooler than us here? And I was like, well, they give me sauces. I mean, <laughs> you, you need to, uh, you need to come to Montana and then, uh, 
Yeah. Have the, hey, I, hey, if y'all need if y'all need a little marketing guru person for Montana Max, <laughs> like, I, I might consider if this whole book thing and death and dying stuff doesn't work out, I will definitely oh. be there to support you. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but uh, so what else are you guys working on? Um, so lots of different projects. The um, yeah, the main one, definitely Montana Max. But uh, Eduardo and I, before he was injured, worked on, you know, the active ingredient show. And then that's now morphed into a show called Hungry Life. Um, and that is releasing in April online. And it's five kind of short um, shows about Eduardo cooking in the wilderness. And they're, they're pretty awesome. I'm, I'm very they proud are. of them. They are really awesome. I appreciate you sharing those links <laughs> with me because it's almost like a National Geographic mm -hmm. little 10, 20 minute, hey, in the wild kind of thing. Now, are you filming this too? So I didn't, I wasn't behind the camera, but I'm definitely the, you know, the creative director type of thing behind that of helping Eduardo, um, plan out all of these trips and getting it, I guess I'm the writer of those little things, but, uh, we're hoping to start doing it in a long format. So that's one of the things. And then, um, my husband is a cinematographer and we're trying to get funding for our first feature film is our other little project that we're working on right now. So lots of, yeah, lots of comedy, lots of bits and bobs, but it's, uh, now are you still doing stand up in Bozeman downtown? Um, I have a little bit, not as much as I'd like. I'm going to be honest with you. Montana Mex is, um, you know, it's gangbusters right now. So it's really? uh, kind of a little bit, uh, I don't know what the word is, but I don't, I can't sky from Montana Mex, you know, so I need to let the comedy go for, um, a little bit while we're, while we're really doing this. But, um, hopefully I'll be back on stage soon. Cause I, I absolutely well, love it. And, got so many things to talk about. <laughs> well, and you're such a great writer. And I mean, right down to the Montana Mex uh, commercial, oh. um, I thought was brilliant. And I, I was really, I, I could not believe you wrote that. It was really, really funny. And I could read <laughs> right through what you were trying to say. And those kids yeah. were just, <laughs> just funny, really funny. Well, you. Um, you do have your own website. Um, yeah. um, how do people get in touch with you? So my website is uh, jennyofthejane.com. And from there, you can find about Montana Mex, about charged comedy skits, all the good stuff. It, it's all right there. Well, I can't tell you what it's like to to actually meet you via Skype. <laughs> um, you are my new BFF. Um, and if yeah. you ever need an assistant, I will be there for you. Um, <laughs> because you just seem like this genuine person that when they put their mind to something, it, it acts you push it through and, and thank God, because I don't know if Montana Mex would be there without you. So, um, but <laughs> no you look, you keep doing good work. Thank you. And, uh, I have to say though, it really is all about good people. I know it sounds cliche, but, um, I very much appreciate you saying that to me, but without, yeah, like my brother, <laughs> and, you know, the Eduardo and the whole team on all of these projects, um, you know, none of them would have happened. So, but thanks That's awesome. so much. I appreciate you saying that. Well, thanks for joining us and telling us a little bit about your role with the film Charged and being a caregiver. And um, we wish you the best on all these upcoming projects. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you uh, having me on your uh, podcast. Thanks for joining us today. And remember, you're the designer.